Dan. Dan, are you there? Are you there, Dan? I am. I don't know if you can hear the noises that are going on. I'm going to shut myself in. The noises that are going on outside. The various noises that are around. But uh, I am... Trump is at the Trump is outside my house, Dan. Whoa, like like right out you're in a, is he just outside the door? He's not outside the door. He is Oh, could you if he showed up at my door, I would call you first. I think I would call you first. Uh, if I looked out the uh, people. That gave me a warm feeling inside. Yeah, I, Dan, daddy's here. No, he is he is in town for to to speak to the UN, which that that is something we will talk about, I am sure. But that means uh, we can't we can't get out in New York, Dan. We're stuck inside because Trump is Trump is here, Dan. He's here, Dan. He's here, and I'm in the closet. I'm hiding from Trump because there are there are like helicopters and, and things out there, Dan. Dan, he's here, Dan. He's here. This is like Cloverfield. Says who the podcast that's not a podcast. <laughs> oh boy. It's it's a coping strategy. I'm Dan Sinker. And I'm Maureen Johnson. Oh boy. I think we get a lot of listeners if I went from this to this all the time. It's like I said when I used to act in plays in college. You say all your lines really fast and you knock everyone else over, and that's how you win. Yeah, that is how you win. My son's in youth theater, and I can guarantee you. That's that's how they're teaching kids how to a, win at plays. A little tip from me to you, says Huvians. That's how you win at plays. Welcome to another um, week. We were we were here last week Woo. with Anna Marie Cox. We were here we're... the week before with someone. They're all blurred together now. Three <laughs> weeks in a row, Maureen. I know. Wow. I had to stop. It's like a podcast marathon. I know this is like what what normal normal podcasters do. So shout it out to is. normal podcasters. Y'all um, do a good job, normal podcasters. We're going to talk about doing good jobs and covering the news and 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 the Trump at the UN. We got so many things to talk about, but healthcare is back again, and that is no fun. No, that's the least fun we can have. How do you every few months have to call your reps? And ask them not to kill you. Did you ever see the end of Little House on the Prairie? I'm sure that I did, but I'm also sure that I don't remember it. I, I don't know if I've discussed this before on this podcast, but I was told one day, uh, someone was like, yeah, you know how they ended Little House on the Prairie? And I was like, no. And they were like, well, they blew the town up. Fuck yeah, and they did. Yeah. And so- Just do the, it. At the end of Little House of the Prairie, which is this show about living on the American prairie, it's very like shiny cheek Western. It's all about white people. <laughs> let's let's be let's get that out of the way. It's all about white people, white people out west, and being settlers. And uh, in the end, the railroad wants to come through the town, and the town, uh, the town, the railroad's trying to buy the town. And in the end, the town wires everything with dynamite. And they blow that shit up. And wow. it, is, it is an extended, like, it is a, I, I'm going to put up a link to this because it is, I didn't believe it. And then I watched it and it goes on for maybe five or more minutes where you see all of the buildings that you've gotten to know during this show over like many years. It's like, the boom, there's the general store. Boom, there's somebody's house. Boom, boom, boom. They blow that shit up just like not quickly either. They blow it all up individually, and it just pans, and you see it all, and it just explodes. And I feel like that's what we are doing against our will every two months now, is that our, our shit gets rigged with dynamite, and then some lunatic stands there and goes, I'm going to blow this shit up as the ending. And then we're begging not to? I'm I, Yes. Okay. All right. Yes. I got it. I'm there now. The town is rigged. Yep. With dynamite. Yep. Uh, I I found it very sad to call my senators this week because I got through right away, which I never had before. And I have like two very reliably, you know, they're not voting for health care. But previously, every time I'd rung them, uh, I would 
get voicemail or I would get busy signals or that sort of thing. And this time, like, I called and I got a kind of sleepy sounding uh, aide who happily took my information and was like, you're calling about what? Which was especially weird. That's so, not good. yeah, call your people. If you're hearing this, to pause, call your people, and then hit unpause. We'll wait. Yeah, this is this is real, and hopefully by the time, you know, maybe you'll listen to this a while from now and it will be over and you won't have to. But it, you know, my other half turned to me and he, the, my other half is English. And I, I, I'm constantly marveling that I brought an English person here to live through this. And I'm always like, sorry. And then he's always like, Brexit. And I'm like, all right, well, what? let's live on a raft. So he, uh, he turned to me last night and said, can I say, say something terrible? And I was like, go ahead. And he said, I think they're going to get away with this healthcare stuff. I think they're going to yeah. do it. I I do too. And I just was like, I was like, I have a really bad feeling that you're right. And the fact that we're both saying this and it's this, because nobody expected this thing to swing back again, but, um, and this one's even worse. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, to me, it's kind of, it's the perfect example of just how hard it is to sustain outrage for so long you know i mean we are not built as human beings to be in this constant state of upside down you know of just every moment that you give yourself a moment to take a breath there's suddenly some new thing that's just you can't even hardly believe and like the fact that they keep smacking on healthcare to me is like they kind of know it you know, like they know that this time with so many other things happening with so much sort of like truly outrageous things that have been going on with the, you know, dreamers repeal and with the white supremacists fucking everywhere and all of this, like, all right, we're going to do this one again. And we're going to put someone who at least has some sort of odd rep of being not a party liner in Lindsey Graham, even though he's clearly a party liner. Like, we're going to put some face on this that feels like it's more moderate, but if you actually dig into it, it's not. And, like, and people are going to have to do the same thing again. And they just, it's, that's hard to sustain. Like, all of this is hard to sustain. You know, like, it is, we are eight months in now, and, whew, it's tiring. You know, it is tiring. So, yeah, it's it, that's part of the strategy. To confuse and exhaust and... Because um, Dan and I were talking before we started recording about um, just what's happening with attention spans. And I know, I'm sure, a lot of you are feeling the same exact way of... I used to be able to concentrate for because I write books for a living, which is sort of an extended concentration exercise. You have to sit down and really hold a whole world that you've made up in your head and create bits of it. And it's super hard to do when your brain is just ping, 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 looking at this. Did something else happen? Are we exploding? Our health care is this. And, th and then we're all. Um, but everyone I talk to kind of feels like that, that they're they focus is. Um, truly difficult. We're not we're not wired to be like this right yeah. now, unless I mean, our wiring changes. Yeah, it's it's you know we're supposed to have moments where you know the saber toothed tiger is chasing us, and then we can rest afterwards. And now we are always in fight or flight. You know, I mean that's that's very hard to sustain. It really is, and like. I feel the same way work-wise. I don't know anyone that doesn't in terms of just feeling like I can't concentrate on anything. Like sudden, I, I, I used to be quite good at being able to really focus in on stuff. And that is, that is not true anymore. And you know, that's, that's part of it. I mean, we've talked before about how just the, the, the stress floor is so high, you know, just the stuff that is daily existence now that's a high bar. Everything else floats over it. And just the ongoing uh, tricks of how you, I have focusing software on my computer that shuts down the internet or 
But then I was like, I still have my phone and I could do something and I put it on my phone. And then the other day, just out of desperation, I hid my phone under my file cabinets. I slid it underneath. So the only way I could get it out was I'd really have to like move a bunch of furniture in my office to kind of get at it. (laughs) Oh, no. I was like, wow, I can't do that for... But I also... As I was mentioning, I just, I, got... I just then see a jump cut to you five minutes later, like scrambling underneath. Uh. I, Dan, I am the same person that when my other half went to a con, like he had to go for to Germany for work and he was gone for like two weeks. And um, I'm pretty good. Technically, I'm a, a very capable technical person. But every once in a while, we have like an actual piece of equipment that I don't use very much that I can't like so and I he actually physically deals with things like video game consoles and things and he can he can get in there so I put in I got this fucking copy of Borgen which is like a it's like a a drama it's like a Scandinavian drama and I was like I'll watch this entire DVD set of Borgen and I put it in the DVD player and our cheap ass DVD player we've got like 95 things that play DVDs but I don't know how any of them fucking work because they're all video game consoles and I don't want to touch them because they're his he would be fine with it but I'm like I don't want to mess up his video game console I'll put in our cheap ass DVD player and it fucking I heard the CD like the it went see and it like landed somewhere in the machine and it was clearly like just loose in the machine like rattling around and I tried everything and I was like trying to pop it flash forward an hour later the DVD player is sitting on the kitchen table you see around it screwdrivers a claw hammer and a drill and I have unscrewed the top and then bent it back like torn it open Wow. Ripped ripped it apart to retrieve the Borgen DVD. If I need to get to something, I will get to it. I believe you. Yeah. Uh. Which is to say, it's hard to keep from being distracted. Just yeah. breathe in. Just right now, you guys. I also find I'm holding my breath a lot. Like, literally, I'm kind of tensing my abdominal muscles. And having gone to theater school, there's always, like, a lot of, where are you breathing from? So, you guys, loosen your abdominal muscles right now. You're probably tensing them. Are you? Just relax. Breathe from your abdomen for a second. All right? Do this. And then exhale through your nose. There you go. It's fine. Just take a breath. See if you're holding your breath in your... See where you are. Are you holding it in your chest? Take a breath. And then take a fucking DVD player apart with a drill, which I have to say was immensely satisfying. There's almost nothing better than taking shit apart, especially if you if you're going at it at the intention that it's never coming back together. I met a guy who once said to me the most fun he ever had was someone invited him to take apart a shed with an axe. Oh yeah, and he just beat the shit out of his shed with an axe. When we when we moved into our house, the very small yard that we have uh, was completely overgrown by like trees and shit. And uh, I rented a chainsaw and just crawled around on the ground, and it was amazing. And I <sighs> only almost died like twice, but it was great. And also, there once that was done, it was clear that there was a large cement pathway to nowhere in the middle of the yard, and I got to rent a jackhammer. Oh, my God. That was amazing. Also insane that they let anyone just rent a jackhammer. <laughs> I didn't know you, you could do that. No, you can just walk into a to a to a big box uh, hardware store and walk out uh, with a jackhammer that can quite easily destroy your feet if you want to. God bless America. I know what I'm doing yeah. after this. I'm it's getting a great. jackhammer. I bet you in New York City you could rent a jackhammer and as long as you had like a fluorescent vest you could you could knock out any sidewalk in the entire city. Easy. No one would bother you. Whoa. They were putting in a new sewer the other day. I could have blended in with those guys. There you go. Hey, I'm here to help with the sewer. Just quietly do a little jackhammering. That's probably a good stress release. Yeah. Nobody notices when you're jackhamming. It's it's pretty fun. Truly, nobody notices if you're jackhammering in New York because right now it's all Trump. I mean, right now what's bothering me is Trump. The other day it was jackhammers, and you know what's coming in like a fucking week, Dan? Oktoberfest. Fucking Oktoberfest where right outside my window they're going to be, find pros that find pros that 
dimension over ho-. like 5,000 times a night. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You heard it. You've heard it enough that you know the lyrics. Well, I took German for 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 as a child and uh I know that I know these German uh, Yeah, I can yeah, I know. But they're out there in their dirndls. They're going to be out there in their later hosen and they're going to be drunk and they're going to be singing r- very repetitively and I'm going to go insane. Were we talking about being distracted? I believe that we were. Uh, but it reminds me that your current distraction is the fact that Donald Trump addressed the United Nations today. He would probably go to that fucking Oktoberfest. He probably, he would, oh yeah, I love it. I don't drink. I don't speak German. I still don't believe that he doesn't drink. I don't believe that for a fucking second. I bet he would wear little leather pants, though. Whoa. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. No. Ah. Yes. I need yes. brain bleach. Stop. No. Oh, spank me in my little leather pants. Oh, I'm pros it. I'm pro. Yeah. Sorry, you guys. Oh, my word. I'm working out some, working out some issues. I'm working out some issues. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I was at, I was at the gym today because, as, as we've discussed before, uh, I, I, one of my ways of dealing with stress, and, in fact, my entire – we're trying to get our bodies right. And uh, I, was, uh, I was running on a treadmill in the gym, which, Maureen, even – Three months ago, if you had told me that that sentence was ever going to come out of my mouth, I would have laughed you out the door. Uh, and then suddenly the um, the TV was Donald Trump giving his address at the United Nations. That's yeah, I ran real fast. So I guess that was a bonus. But that's not exactly the relaxing gym time I was hoping for. No, especially since the highlight of that speech was like weird. You know, he said a lot of, first of all, Donald Trump at the UN. Troubling. Yeah. I kept expecting him to, uh, to like, to do the old take off the shoe and knock it on the table maneuver. Oh, yeah. He didn't. But it, I feel like that he was hoping. His, his hand's probably too small to take a shoe off. I don't. Probably yeah, this is about probably to has say, a shoe valet, a shoe guy. Yeah, I don't think he takes off his shoes. Like I think he's oh, like yeah. one of those people that has a, has a, has a dude. He definitely doesn't. Does not. But yeah, he said he was gonna destroy North Korea, so that's nice. And he called um, he called the leader of North Korea Rocket Man, which makes me angry because uh, not because just because it's so scary, but um. You don't use Elton John like that. You don't just use Elton John like that. I, I, I fear the conversation we're about to have, Maureen. Done. And I want to, I want to head it off by saying this: I enjoy the song "Rocket Man" a lot. Mm-hmm. There are not a lot of songs. In Elton John's catalog that I would say that about. But that is one. I do very much like the song Rocket Man. And I have, I also take umbrage and issue with him co-opting that. Also, to me, it does not feel like a particularly good, catchy, insulting nickname. Like, if I was Kim Jong-un and I was shooting rockets off, pretty regularly i'd be like yeah that's right i'm the rocket man what like it doesn't there's no irony in it there's no like it's not like oh you were in a boxing match and you got knocked out on the first punch and so we named you killer you know like it's not that it's like he is a man that shoots rockets it's not and it's a good song and they're not a lot of good elton john songs oh okay here's here here's here's where it comes in all right uh First of all, I, I just, it's okay. It's okay to to differ on these things. I um, I'm a lifelong dedicated Elton John fan. Uh, absolutely, what some of my earliest memories of hearing Elton John songs like it just it just uh, such, takes me to such a happy place. But I he is routinely undervalued. Okay, there are so many things about him. Dad. I mean, the man is a genius. 
He just thinks in songs. He really does. And uh, he, there are so many, some of the best songs are the ones people don't hear that often. I mean, just don't even get me started on Captain Fantastic and the Brown Dirt Cowboy, a fantastic album. You know, it just, he is so skilled, Dan. Dan, you, you, you tell me you never felt like uh, there's nothing like apparently, like this afternoon, a rainy kind of fall afternoon, exact right moment to listen to some Benny and the Jets. I don't, okay. I like Rocket Man. Mm-hmm. I like Tiny Dancer. Benny and the Jets is okay. I can't think of a single other, cannot think of a single other Elton John song. You're missing out on a lot. That I've ever heard and liked. Oh, you're missing out on a lot. But I, I like the costumes. Oh, yeah. Always enjoyed the costumes. Mm-hmm. A part of it, I think, is that I'm not a big fan of the piano as a lead instrument. Mm-hmm. Not a Billy Joel fan. Okay, that's fair. Not a... Ben Folds fan, not a not a Jerry Lee Lewis fan. I can't think of anyone else who plays the piano because it's got, not gonna, a good lead instrument. See, I, I really think it is, but I'm going to leave Jerry Lee Lewis out of it because Jerry Lewis troubles me. Jerry Lee Lewis, Jerry Lewis, different guy. But I mean, if you just heard some of the tracks on on, on the inside of Good Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, which in itself is such. a we can't. We can't do this, Dan. I'm just saying. If the Sensuvians want me to kind of talk through a kind of essential Elton John playlist, I can. I can work with them. Like I, I, I'll get you. I'll get you there. I'll get you to where I've always been. The person who secretly went to college with all of her other stuff, but then also was publicly lots of Smiths and Bowie, which I love. Bowie stands above all. But seventeen Elton John albums in her bag. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just can't get down with it. But you know who I bet does get down with it? Kim Jong-un. Why do we think he doesn't like Elton okay. John? Right? I like, feel- again, like, I Dan. don't I don't understand how it is an insult. I don't. Dan, Dan, I just, I mean, I understand where you're going with this, but I, I just, I don't think you can casually say that, that Kim Jong-un is a big Elton John fan and just have me walk away from it. I don't mean that as a, as a as a impugning of Elton John's cat, I just mean like the dude hangs out with Dennis Rodman, right? Like he has a flair for the theatrical, clearly, likes a guy in costume. And I think to me, any kind of closed repressive regime is always kind of permanently stuck in like 1978. So like it all okay, checks by out. Ni- by 19 by 1978, Elton was having a lot of problems. You really want to hear just for 70 to 73 is like, it's all good. It's all golden. You'll really hear him as his peak. Rocket Man. It's not one of my favorites, actually. I don't really like Rocket Man. This is, this is why it is a favorite. Sevs Whovians, if you, uh, once we're done with this episode, uh, go and, and, and do a uh, Google search for uh, This American Life Classifieds. It is a at this point now quite an old, probably ten year old. I'm not even sure. Um, this American Life segment um, that uh, actually was Starley Klein who did the uh, the Mystery Show podcast more recently. She and uh, John Langford, who is a musician here in Chicago, they uh, went to the uh, Alt Weekly here in Chicago, which at the time had a lengthy classified section, and one of those sections was a musician section. And they assembled a band out of the musician classifieds. And uh, in discussing what song they should have the band record, uh, they decided on Rocket Man. And uh, I have a great warm feeling about that song from that podcast because it is a or not that radio segment because it is just a really beautiful story. And it is uh, an incredible use of that song. And they got a theremin player who really kind of brings that song into a whole nother level. And again, says who begins if you want to be talk through the Elton John catalog. I'm, I'm here. We can early 70s period what he's going through in the late 80s. Uh, sorry, the late seventies, the, the mid eighties is a whole different, exciting thing. There's, there's lots to talk about here. There's lots to talk about. But can we, we what? can we at least agree that the 
Princess Diana song is really schmaltzy. Okay, here's the thing. It was, it was, it was, it was that was, she was his friend, you know. I think, I think, you get, just, Candle in the Wind, also not my favorite. See, I think that's the thing, is like a lot of the ones that people always think of are not my favorites. It's a bad song. That's a, that's not a good song. Just saying. Not telling you anything you don't know in your heart, but that's a bad song. Dan, I think this is the f- the first time we've ever disagreed, but I I think it's a it's a it's a it's a good disagreement that we. I'm can... okay. You should like what you like. Absolutely, but I'm just not down. I'm not down with it. Like three songs. That's it. That's all I got. And I think that Kim Jong-un is probably a fan. That's the only other thing. You know, we have Hayes. Hayes, uh, We have a guest whose name is Hayes uh, that we're going to bring in. And uh, let's just... So Hayes Brown is a world news editor and reporter for BuzzFeed News. He's based here in New York. And... Let's let's bring him in and see where he is vis-a-vis Elton John and other world events, probably more other world events. Bet probably. I bet he likes Elton. Mm, probably. Have you had a good day? As a journalist today? Good is a strong word. I've had a busy day. I've had a productive day. Uh, good? Mm. It's been a day. It's been, it's been a solid day. Just to give an example of what happened today, because as we record, it is Tuesday the 19th. And today, just blocks from where we are, because I'm not too far from you. Oh, yay. The, the president spoke to the UN, and you... Uh, I didn't have to listen to it because I was following you. Yeah, I live tweet the whole thing because um, I have long been a masochist. Uh, not only do I love the Twitter.com, but I've always had an unhealthy uh, obsession almost. No, obsession is a strong word. Interest. I've had a strong interest in the United Nations forever. So even before I was a full-fledged reporter, I was doing things like this, like live tweeting uh, the General Assembly. But today, today was Trump's day there. And boy, howdy, mm. did he give a speech. Would you mind? Because I, I don't I don't think Dan heard it. And I purposely, because I started <laughs> to listen, I was like, wait, I'm about to talk to Hayes. He can tell me what happened. Like, I, I, don't... <laughs> I, oh, I, I, I saw it on closed captioning while in a gym. So I was not exactly in the right environment to <laughs> take it all in. Didn't get the full effect. Um, so, no. So what? So what happened was Trump gets up there and he. This was interesting because he did this whole balancing act this time around, where he uh, was trying to both balance his, like you know, his nationalist stance, his America First idea, with the UN's goals, which is we should all work together. And what's weird is he he kind of pulled it off ish in my view, like in in terms of being like. Hey, you guys, I put America first. All of you guys should put your countries first, rousing success. The question is, is that a good thing? I think not. Uh, but he also did things like threaten North Korea that if if forced to, we will destroy them. BTW, that's our policy now. We will destroy North Korea if need be. He said that at the UN, which is about peace. That seemed to be the highlight. It really was. It, it highlight, low light, however you want to describe it. Um, I mean, one of the things that's interesting to me about that is people always try to talk about what comes out of presidents' mouths as doctrines, right? Yeah. And like, is this now the do- like? How are we supposed to even begin to understand? that in the context of anything that resembles rationality. I mean, so the the idea that we should only work together when it's in our direct interest isn't exactly a new idea. What's super new is 
both the U.S. being the one to espouse this. This is normally like Russia and China's bag, like Moscow and Beijing are like, dang, you stole our line. Um, so this whole idea that like you know, sovereignty first, sovereignty over everything, it's something that dictators have been using for a while to say, you guys just deal with your own shit, guys, and let us handle what's going on inside of our borders, which is something the U.S. has pushed against for the last couple of decades. They're like, no, you're being shitty, guys. Can you stop that? And uh, according to Trump, that's no longer a thing we're really going to do. That's well, it's fantastic. Isn't it just joyous? Just the visual of him, because I tried, and then I looked at the visual of him standing up there at the front of the UN, and it was a little too Hail Hydra for me. Um, oh my god, that's because the UN, like, uh, the general, I love the General Assembly Hall because it's a gorgeous room, but it is doing itself no favors with the giant logo up there near the ceiling, and now they have the two twin screens on either side of you, so you, it looks like um, a rally uh in like 3007 yeah it's it was a it was it was a distressing image it's intense i will give you that yeah and it's like every time i'm still not used to seeing pictures of him in the oval office and i'm still like I, you know, I'm, I'm getting there for that um what's really funny about him standing in front of the un uh at the podium up there is that he actually back when they were first renovate about to renovate the UN in like 2000, like two to 2005. I can't remember the exact range. Donald Trump wanted to do it. He was like, no, you guys hit me up. I'm going to do it for you. I'm going to fix you guys up for cheap. I'm going to save you guys hundreds of millions of dollars. It's going to be beautiful. And when he didn't get it, he got so salty. Like he attacked the secretary general at the time, Kofi Annan. He wrote, he had a whole like chapter about it in one of his books. Um, in back in 2012, he jumped on Twitter, like, Ugh, "Look at the ugly green marble that's still there. I would have done a much better job," or something like that. But yeah, he has this whole history with the UN where he would go back and forth between like praising them. He like he, he seems to actually like the idea of the UN. Like uh, he's called them like a really like a force for good and stuff like that in the past but he, over the years he's like drifted so far away from that to the trumpito that we know now to kind of roll back so how long have you been a journalist i actually my five-year anniversary is coming up next month it'll be five years when i made the switch from just your average peon blogger hoping people read this stuff on twitter.com to actually getting paid full-time to write things and publish them on the internet. Can you just uh, walk us through, uh, well, first of all, how we always ask, how are you? Like, how have you been? Man, what a deep question. I've been, I've been getting through. I feel like a lot of it is, I, first of all, got to say, love my job, both in the abstract and, the con and in the concrete. The idea of being a journalist in this day and age is great, if you ask me. I and brought even before now the idea that you could get paid to learn new things and then tell people I learned this before anyone else did. Let me tell you about it now. That's great. I love it. And getting to do that at BuzzFeed, where they let me write weird lists like 23 cats who just can't even with Vladimir Putin today. Um, <laughs> real post, one of my faves of all time. Um, I, I, I just really enjoy it. So, so. On that, in the sense that I, I'm happy with what I'm doing, I've been good. In the sense of, has it been difficult to not be able to peel away from the news cycle? That's really tough. Yeah, you don't, you don't get to go away. That's the big right. You hear thing that we we. You 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 see all these like this like how to handle dealing with stressful news cycles. Just put down the phone. I'm like I can't. Holy, <laughs> do you not realize this thing is super glued to my hand? I have to be here. If I don't know this, then I just won't be able to move any of these stories forward. Yeah, they they make you eat it. Yeah, we're all journalists. Journalists is one giant collection of Brucey Boggs in Matilda shoving that chocolate cake into our faces, crying. Wow. <laughs> but I don't want it anymore. But, oh, no. No, but, but if you recall correctly, he finishes that cake. He finishes it triumphantly and then gets a dish broken over his head. So really journalism. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's 
honestly the most upbeat take we've gotten. <laughs> That's horrifying. I, I'm doing my job wrong, apparently. Then. Um, no, no. I just uh, we've we've had people. Um, just we've had angry people, people crying, people nervously chewing gum and kind of spinning out. And you're like, hey, you know, fuck it. I, I, I will def- I will live through this. I'll eat that cake. I am a column of fire. <laughs> I mean, it helps that I, I'm, I'm only 30. I've only been doing this for five years. I'm not burnt out just yet. But I mean, I, you can feel it. Um, like, I haven't been doing this for too long. And even I'm just like, compared to where I started, I'm like, man, the world sure does suck. Am I right? <laughs> like, I, I can feel my youthful optimism burning off day by day. <laughs> That's nice. That's more like it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. so you don't get to look away. Do you have a, a way? So, what is your coping strategy? It's just not just a sassy. Put down the phone. Mm. My coping strategy is um, a lot of reality TV. Um, I am a sucker for re- reality competition shows, specifically. Well, I enjoy a good Kardashian now and then. I prefer when there's like actually ta- like talent involved. Give me a great British Bake Off, a RuPaul's Drag Race, a Project Runway, a Top Chef. If there's very skilled people competing for for prize money, you know what? Give it to me. Or in the case of the Great British Bake Off, a handsome crystal dish. I, I love that. That's the only thing they seem to be competing for. Is... You also get to wear that Sheriff Star every week. <laughs> Stop, Aka. Yeah, but no, that's that's all you're competing for. You don't get a cash prize necessarily. You just get national prod and this lovely thing to display cake on on Sundays. And you're just very worried that you'll have a soggy bottom. Correct. Don't we all? Don't we all? That's hell yes. <laughs> that just reminded me of the. There's always that beautiful photo of Trump's just magnificent rump. As he's turning to do a a golf swing. And I'm like, girl, soggy soggy bottoms. Soggy bottoms. That that golf picture, it it haunts me. It really does. It's quite the thing. I would like to see that projected on the side of a tall building in New York so we could pop, like across from his his tower would be ideal. Surely you know performance artists in the city who would be like, I have a laser display thing. Someone... (laughs) It's a, like uh, just the other week, there was the guy who displayed a bunch of stuff on the Trump Hotel in D.C. He yeah. did that up here in Soho. So surely someone can make your dreams come true, Maureen. You have the Internet at your beck and call. Are you kidding me? That does seem entirely achievable. So as the election of 2016 rolled through, uh, rolled over all of us, could, mm-hmm. was there a kind of... I mean, because you, not you, hopefully not you in particular, but the mm. organization that you work for, you were specifically targeted. Like the president oh, yeah. was like. He did not like us during the campaign. You know what? We always kind of wore that as a badge of honor, I feel like. Like um, not, no one enjoys not having access, but knowing the reason why we don't have access is because he doesn't like the truth that we're telling. That's not a terrible feeling. Like the the leading candidate won't let us into his very racist rallies because we report on them accurately. You know what? We're going to keep covering you even if we can't get in there and we're going to do a damn good job of it. And I think that's the sort of attitude that we've had even as we've rolled into the administration. We might not be the people, we might not be the Maggie Habermans who get to sit in the room where it happens, room where it happens, but we do the best that we can to report on all of these stories um, and break a lot of news. I've really enjoyed BuzzFeed's kind of feisty fuck you attitude during all of this, like that you have cheerfully embraced uh, the, the teasing, the like the, not the, just the meanness of Trump and him calling you a a, a pile of garbage and then making a t-shirt about it. Like you guys have just been full on with it. A hundred percent. I mean, a hashtag brand, but I mean, mm-hmm. on the other hand too, we could go, we could go the very self-serious route and be like, no, we are totally like offended. And yet, no, the, actually, so here's the thing too. I, and I feel like this relates way more than I ever thought or hoped it would in the U S but 
my boss Miriam, she was a reporter in Russia before she became the world news editor here. And one of the things that is key to people reporting on and resisting Vladimir Putin is the idea of laughing at him. Like mm-hmm. you have to, because you have to, because he it's a so ridiculous that you can't help but laugh and B in doing so you erode. I feel like this aura of imperviousness that world leaders can really have this idea that they are untouchable, that they are above reproach, that they are, that the things that they're doing are too serious and terrible to even consider cracking a smile about. No, you have to find, in, at least in my opinion, the ridiculous in it. I love writing posts on Putin because he's a murderous, brutal thug, but he also does things like make his prime minister do weird workout videos with him. Like that video, like you see him like lifting weights that have like 10 kilograms attached to them. You're like, oh, so buff. That's actually something that I'm really curious about because I feel like in the, you know, in the constant outrage cycle of Trump, I feel like most of the things that I'm constantly outraged around are domestic issues. And like Mm -hmm. today was this real stark reminder that all of this plays on a world stage too, right? And I'm I'm curious. Oh yeah, they're watching. Right. And so like, I, I guess first, how is this stuff playing? And second, as someone who is kind of overseas world news, like how do you think about translating this externally and also kind of bringing the world back into focus to an audience so focused on this kind of near daily domestic stuff. So, so the way it's playing out, at least in terms of foreign policy is one take that I'm seeing going around a lot. And I kind of agree with is a lot of the world think to themselves, well, I knew it. This is what the U S has been all along this because people have always hated our foreign policy. Like, since World War II ended and we were a superpower, we've done some shitty-ass things in the world that the U.S. just doesn't really, like, cope with well. We don't like to think about it. Like, so when we say things like democracy promotion, we don't consider the flip side of that, which is the democracy suppression that we've carried out around the world. Um, And the, you know, the various acts that we've undertaken in the name of keeping us on top. So when you see Trump out there just blatantly saying this shit, a lot of the world thinks to themselves, well, I knew it. I knew that whole thing was a front, this whole, oh, we love everyone. We're going to provide foreign aid. Ha, yeah, right. So that's something that the U.S. is going to have to reckon with now and after Trump leaves office. This idea that the bubble has been burst, that the U.S. is just another country, and sometimes we've done some bad things. Um, As far as coverage goes, it's been, as far as like translating Trump's actions to the world, luckily we don't have to worry about that too much. What's difficult for us, so BuzzFeed World, we cover the world news in English for an English-speaking audience, which is mostly American. So, God, in January, trying to get anything without Trump in the headline read was like pulling teeth like not even teeth that have come through the gums yet you were cutting into the gum and extracting some shit but it's it's been it's gone in cycles since then like there there are some months where it feels like okay cool now we can just publish these like feature stories these long things that don't really have anything to do with the u.s it's just all based in this one country or region but sometimes he's just in the news cycle and you've got to find a way in and One thing that's been difficult, well, not difficult, but has been a challenge, it has been, you see these like legacy news organizations like The Post and The Times, and they are going all in on the Trump investigation story. And because they're so big and have so many reporters on it and have so many resources, they are breaking, they're the ones breaking the stories, really. And so for a while there, we were struggling and like, okay, so how do we catch up? How... We we're just turning out reaction post after reaction post, like ah Trump did a thing ah this investigation said the investigation says this now get people to react what do they say in Mexico about the wall situation, and we're trying to do less of that and trying to figure out more either organic ways to make to bring Trump into and the U.S. into the news that we're reporting, 
or we're trying to, you know, just go out and break the news ourselves. Yeah, and wonder you you guys are gonna be the new Woodward and Bernstein. Someone out there is gonna bust yeah. us wide open. Right? That is totally the feeling out there, I feel like. And um I would love for it to be us. Well, you are the only you are the only news organization currently being sued over the P tape dossier. <laughs> yep, that's us. Uh, we are totally doing law stuff about that, and so I'm going to be very cagey about it <laughs> because uh, our lawyer is scary. I love her, but wow, um, I would never say. I'm glad you guys have a. I'm glad you have a scary lawyer. Her name is Nabia Saeed, and she uh, actually used to work for the ACLU. She sued the Obama Justice Department to get the the drone me- the the drone memo released to the public. So she's a badass. She sounds and like a beautiful also, column of fire. She is, and the problem with that though is if I say anything wrong, I will turn up somewhere, and no one will ever be able to convict her because she knows laws. <laughs> I don't. We don't want you to die. I had forgotten <laughs> right. that it was BuzzFeed that published the dossier, though. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We totally did. The players in this particular story are crazy and dumb. They're so I, crazy. I, I, like, oh my god. <laughs> yep. Yep. Like yep, just yep. yesterday, when Ty, they had the thing about Ty Cobb, our favorite, the guy who claims he has rocks in his head, um, oh, sits down with Ty the other Cobb, Trump the lawyer. Wilford Brimley of law. Yes, yeah. he loves yes. that oatmeal. <laughs> and he went they uh, they went i mean you're a journalist how did you feel about the fact that, that there's the president's two lawyers sitting there what 50 feet from the entrance of the new york times washington bureau out in front of an like in an al fresco popular restaurant just talking about all their legal strategy and what they know and that one of them has a very distinctive mustache. I know. Also, D.C. is such a small town. I, If you haven't, like, lived there, you don't understand how small this fucking city is. And so, like, one theory is they wanted to be heard, like, which is nutso. It's so crazy. Uh, on the other hand, either either they just didn't think about it or they didn't know or they were aware and were like, you know what? Let's have this loud staged conversation for the benefit of the New York Times. Hey, what up over there? I see you. Either way, it's bonker balls, which is a technical term in journalism. Yeah, I was. It does. It, ha- it seems that it almost would have to be staged because the. I mean, one guy was like, "Well, our position is we haven't done anything." I'm like, "Are they trying to?" You know, I. He's got these files in a safe. Wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. I once. I was involved in a a car accident and a woman hit me. She made a wrong turn on a one-way street and drove directly into the side of my car. And it was a very bad accident. And it totaled my car and threw me into three other cars. I took out three other cars and a parking meter from the blow. Holy shit. And then she sued me. Um, and the suit went on for like... That's bold. That's oh, bold as hell. It was two years and I was in graduate school and broke and this was all going on. And I won the arbitration because cars don't go sideways. And but she continued with her suit and she had one of these lawsuits that was like, I lost the ability to love my children because of this. And it was so dumb. And I had to go to federal court and I had it was two days of testimony and we had a like we had a jury and everything. And when it was all done and the jury was out, this kind of cheesy law firm, this kind of I can't believe it's a law firm was out in the hallway and they. They were clearly trying to intimidate me. Like, there's these big Philly guys who are like, yeah, we got this all wrapped up. Yeah, and they were having a completely staged conversation in front of me. And I was like, you guys know the jury's, they're, they're deliberating, right? Like, there's nothing left to do. I don't know what you're <laughs> trying to do. I don't understand what you're trying to do. Your lawyer, what are you doing? And that is how I feel about this. Like, clear, what are you doing? Someone, <laughs> what are you doing? How are they? Uh, it's, why are they all like this? Dude, so uh, I was actually in Mexico City for work when the Donald Trump Jr. email story broke. And I was in like the back of an Uber in Mexico City, with, just scrolling through the New York Times initial story. Like, are you serious? Did he, he did, he, what? Who takes that? Who does that? Manafort was there? Kushner was there? What? And I I just my I feel like this entire thing is 
the epitome of trying to decide whether something was done out of ignorance or malice, which, like, some bad things happened here. The only question is, was it done on a purpose or because everyone's dumb? And I feel for the federal prosecutors who have to try and figure that one out. Yeah. And that's part of the reason maybe there's so many things making us all feel broken and busted and weird in the head. And part of it is why everything is so bad, but also why is it so stupid? Why? No, that's the big thing. (laughs) Why is it all so stupid? I I don't know. Which part do you think is the dumbest, guys? Uh, what? I mean, as Dan pointed out the other day, the most successful person in the entire Trump administration was the mooch. Oh, my God. And he wasn't even really ever there. It's because he got in and out. That's how you do it in the Trump administration. He just showed up, got a got three different people fired, and then he was out. <laughs> yeah. And now starting up his own media company. He's still got his own restaurants. He's The mooch is living life. He's and got a great he, big meatball in the sky. He's He's going he's, for it. He's got to testify on nothing, too. He came in late enough that it's like, the investigation was ongoing. I didn't learn anything. He needed to have time to get clearance. Like, Clearance. Who who needs clearance? They all have clearance. Clearance? I mean, yeah. I mean, more, just, I assume that, like, green plants and cats have clearance in there now. I mean, just nothing matters. (laughs) Nothing matters. Hashtag 2017. Yeah. As sort of a a, a a final question, to me, there's just such a struggle between that feeling of nothing matters and everything matters, you know. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. like, how do you how do you get up and kind of every day be like, uh, it all feels so absurd, and yet I have to approach it and and do the job, and hopefully you know, move the ball in a way that feels less absurd. Like, where? how do you do that equation? Because that's a crazy fucking <laughs> equation. It super is. I mean, a part of me just has accepted this point that politics in 2017 is Calvin Ball. I, I don't know the rules when I wake up. And you know what? That's okay. Because I I know our rules. I know how to report things. I know what a good story looks like. I don't know how the world's going to receive it. I don't know any of that. But you know what? I can get up in the morning and I can pull together a post that makes... If I can pull together a post during a day that makes people laugh or or educates them about something or both, ideally, you know what? That's a great day for me. I I think part of it, too, is that I, I, I come from being a blogger. You know, I come from Twitter. I have always been a child of the internet. I didn't go to journalism school. I lucked into this gig, basically. I was blogging about the United Nations for funsies when I was a federal contractor because that was hella boring. And so I decided I would do something hella boring encounter protest. I don't know how my <laughs> brain works. Um, but then I learned I could make a career out of it. And I've been doing that ever since. And you know what? I I feel really good about that fact. I feel good about the fact that my colleagues are out there trying to make a difference, you know, and that sounds really naive and idealistic, but the desks that we have here are doing amazing things. The investigations team, they take people take they take down like corrupt uh, mental health institutions. They get people out of jail. The politics team uh, makes careers. They uh, they break news all the time. The breaking news team just are basically crushing it every day. Today there was an earthquake and a hurricane and Trump at the UN, and they are on top of all of that. And you know what? They are doing the work that people are scorning, and in a real, like, X-Men fighting to protect the people who hate them kind of way, <laughs> I am into that, you know? I've always liked that sort of, you know what, do they deserve it? No. But we're going to give them the real news. Wow. That is awesome. <laughs> and I think that's why we like to talk to journalists, to be to say this 
this is the press that is getting scorned and threatened and talked about so much. These are the people, and this is what they do. Yeah. Now I'm just trying to think of every journalist we've talked to and put them into X-Men, X-Men characters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Who do you want to be? Do you want to just uh, claim oh, one right you? up front? Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, I think shoot. you might be Quicksilver. Oh, Ooh, interesting. I've always had a spot in my heart for Nightcrawler. Oh, the really true fact, Beast. I've always had, like, a joy in the, the way that they created the character, which is, okay, we want this guy who's, like, a really physical mutation, but he's super smart. That's – and you know what? He's been hard pressed over the years, but Team Beast. All right. A friend of mine. Beast. A friend of mine got to write a Marvel one-off, and he wrote a story about Beast having to fill in for the guidance counselor at the school. <gasps> oh my oh. god! I need to find that. That sounds wonderful. It was amazing. <laughs> uh, on that note, Hayes, thank you so much for joining us. Um, thank you guys, and, and for showing up every day and doing the work. And everyone should follow you. At it's just at Hayes Brown, isn't it? It is just at Hayes Brown. I never just, got one just, of those weird fancy handles. No, that's the best handle to get. It's the one with just your name. And then you yeah. can see Hayes eat the news in real time so you don't have to eat the news in real time. Indeed. Eat that news. Yeah. I think he was the most upbeat journalist we've ever had. It's true. Well, if you think of yourself as an X-Man, that helps. That probably helps a lot. Because anytime you're feeling bummed, you just kind of like pew, pew, pew with your little Cyclops shooter, eye shooter thing. Are you, uh, who, are, do you have a who you are? I have to think, are you kind of a Wolverine maybe? I don't know why I would think you'd be a You Wolverine. know what? I did not grow up. I found the moral ambiguity of Marvel Comics to be very confusing as a child. I have to fully admit, I could not, I, I liked Spider-Man comics, but I remember going to a garage sale once and coming back with one where Spider-Man fought the Hulk and I could not understand it and I retreated back to... DC Comics, where everything was far more clear. And in DC Comics, I was the Aquaman guy, mostly because I liked the color orange. That's fair. I never read comics. I just, like every other little girl I know, but I watched Wonder Woman obsessively and spun around, and I made sure. a lasso out of string and, you know, just love Wonder Woman. But that's like there's a like there's a biography biopic biopic coming out about the 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 creation of Wonder Woman that is fascinating sounding. Yeah, it's like a, I forget what the creator did before, but it was something really unexpected. Well, more so, he lived in like a threesome relationship, happily, like he and his wife and their 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 other partner. That's awesome. Well, and that was a lot of what drove him to create Wonder Woman. It's a fascinating thing that I know nothing about other than watching a trailer. Yeah, he had some other I can't I just heard about this and it was like he was in some completely other field or something. And it, it just so anyway, we're really covering. I guess we should all really look forward. We to know a fun. lot of stuff. We know a lot this of stuff. This is why you tune in. Yeah. To hear us noodling around trying to figure out. Uh, the backstory that we sort of half remember things that we kind of thought we maybe heard. Well, I don't remember a lot, Maureen. I've learned this recently. You know what I did uh, two weeks ago? I was rooting through a Kindle of mine to find something to read, and I discovered that six years ago, I wrote an entire novel, and I did not remember writing it, and I did not remember what happened, but I had uploaded it to that Kindle. What? It was weird. It was a weird experience, Maureen, to be reading a thing and being like... I don't hate this because I hate almost everything I write. Uh, but then also, I really don't remember this. Like, I was like, what happens next? Okay, Dan. Dan, if I found, like, that's my dream. As someone always on deadline, like, that I will just find a book that I've written and be like, here's one. Here you go. Yeah. Dan, how can you, how, well, uh, I have so many questions, but I, uh, 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 Okay, maybe yeah. your memory's not great, but that's a pretty good prize. 
But uh, I, I, yeah, it was ex- it was kind of fun. I don't know what to do yeah. with it though. Give it to the world. I guess. I don't know. Put it I think up. it might not you actually be it. good, but I enjoyed it. It sounds good. You should publish your book. Well, we'll see. Damn, publish your book. We'll see. Oh, st- oh my God. You, send it to me. Meh. You guys, you got to get on Dan. Uh, you got to get got on this book. case. You got a book. You got a book you I, need to write. Yeah, I know. I got and books And you got all a book over- coming out. I got a book coming out in January. You got books all over the place. I got books all over the place, but- I still, that's, that is just a, you're conversationally distracting from the fact that you have a book. Now we all want yeah, to see it. Yeah, but that's okay. No. All right. No. All right. See. All right. I made all right. a mistake. I don't remember a lot of stuff and I regret a lot of stuff. The Dan Sinker story. Yeah. Call it that. Give it to us. All right. On that note, we're all going to get Dan's book. Everybody go out there. Put a lot of pressure on Dan. That'll be great. Our theme music is performed by Ted Leo, who has a new album out that he put out. He did. He's also on tour right now. You can get his tour dates at tedleo.com slash tour. He's so good. He's so good live. He is so good. Our logo is designed by Darth. Darth is not on tour, but Darth is always there as a gift on the internet, at Darth on Twitter. We love you, Darth. We do. Look, we want to hear from you. We... We We read everything that you write. Is there anything you want to know about us? Do you want to read Dan's book? That's a good no, question. No. Yeah, so write to us about that. You can contact us at said who pod, Says Who Podcast on Twitter, slash Says Who Podcast on Pinterest and Facebook, and email at hey, that's H-E-Y, at SaysWhoPodcast.com, subject line, give me Dan's book. No. So, uh, yes. But- Last week yes. was our one-year anniversary, and Woo. boy, howdy, we heard from a lot of people uh, wishing us congratulations or uh, w- wishing that we no longer had to exist, both of which are incredibly wonderful compliments. Um, and thank you all for reaching out. It really was it was great to hear from so many of you. Yeah, we really appreciate it. We read all of your letters, and we go, wow, they're really out there. They're really listening to us. They really exist. We appreciate that. Um, if you want, tell some people about it. Uh, leave a review. All of those things, that's how you get sponsorships. Yeah, we don't have those. And I'm not into sponsorship. I mean, I I, I just Here's a think- a question like, I have, Maureen. Yeah. Are we in season two now? Yeah, we, yeah, I think we're in season two. Should we have opened like, the Wire season two with an entirely different story and slate of characters. Oh, we should have had different people on. Yeah. They should have been stevedores in Baltimore. Yeah, well, we, we've already blown it. Yeah, we have. Yeah. Also, I don't know any stevedores. No. I'm not sure I know what a stevedore is. They, uh, they, they unpack ships. They unpack containers. On that note, we will see you again on October 4th. October suddenly, I mean in two don't weeks. Say that. But still, yeah, don't say that. I got so much to do. I just had a, I just had a actual palpitation. You're so, giving me angina. I meant it's July fourth. <sighs> don't lie. Did you hear that? Yeah, the, the, the Trump wants to have a July fourth parade with military vehicles and things. Because he saw one in France. Yeah, that's awesome. He saw one in France. Watching him when I was on the uh, treadmill, watching him speak uh, to the UN today, I thought that dude really needs like epaulets. What do you call those things? That like the the ceremonial shit that you wear on your shoulders if you're like Napoleon. It's epaulets, uh, right? Uh, Something like it's, that. It's that's the right word, but the pronunciation I think is yeah. epaulet. Is it epaulets? I know I know how to read it. There is no chance in hell that within a year he's not wearing those, however you pronounce it. I guarantee you he can't pronounce it, but he's going to get them. Also, the the UN speech today, he, he, there was a lot of hand up. Some at some point somebody Do you think they draw straws on who has to point out like the more you hold your hands up, the clearer it is that they are oddly small. His little baby fists, his little baby meat paws. Yeah. Chubby little baby meat paws. Blue apron slash chubby little baby meat paws. Get 700 free boxes. And that's a lot of boxes. They're all just balsamic vinegar, though. Yeah. It's not shit you want. For my basement in Chicago, I'm Dan Sinker. And for my closet in New York, I'm Maureen Johnson. 
And this has been Says Who. Can't let me in your penthouse Going back to my plow Back to the highway Going out in the woods Hunting my horn back home Oh, I find my future lies Beyond the yellow brick Dan? Yeah. I'm right oh. here. I'm going to I'm going to stop recording.